Before we get into this episode, we have a quick favor to ask you. If you love our show, please scroll down to the review section of your favorite podcast platform and leave us a five-star rating. If you have a few more seconds, please also leave us a review telling us what you like most about our show. We read every single one of these and we appreciate them so much. This will also help us grow and get into the ears of those who love true crime and food as much as you do. Thanks and enjoy the episode. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to Extra Cheese by your friends at Dietetics After Dark. Tomorrow, why not pick up several packages of the best-tasting pasteurized processed cheese? Hey, Becca. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm also doing well, and I have a very cool story for you today. I think you're going to love it. I'm excited to hear it. So there's been, of course, a ton of scientific breakthroughs lately with the COVID vaccine, but there's Mm -hmm. another really cool scientific breakthrough that's been flying under the radar. Singapore actually became the first country to authorize the sale of lab-grown meat. Yes, I heard. You did hear. Oh, that's awesome. So exciting. So what are your initial thoughts on lab-grown meat? So I think that my thoughts will change. My perceptions will change. Right now, I I would try it for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm still on the fence as to whether or not I would include it in my day-to-day. I feel <laughs> logically that it makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. It's more humane. It's mm-hmm. going to be cheaper. It's better for the environment. I feel the same way that I feel about crickets almost. Like, it Mm -hmm. just makes sense. They're nutritious. They're plentiful. They're full of protein. But there's this um, mental hurdle that I'm Mm -hmm. like, it's just cultured in a lab. Um, But I am 
super on board with like the innovation and, you know, trying new things. It just makes it makes a lot of sense. But there is something that's just a little bit odd, squeamish, (laughs) makes me feel a little squeamish. Mm -hmm. For sure. I absolutely agree with you. And I think that crickets is the perfect example because I was at the grocery store earlier this week and I saw crickets and I every time I see them, I'm like, maybe I'll try them in a smoothie. And then I don't. (laughs) I know. I'm like, those make so much sense, but I don't want to eat them. (laughs) (laughs) But I would totally try lab grown meat. Absolutely. I'd give it a Mm -hmm. shot. I would try it. I do have a, a question maybe for like people who are vegan. Would somebody who's vegan feel ethical eating lab-grown meat? Yeah, I wonder the same thing. So the cells are still taken from animals, and mm-hmm. we're going to get into all this, but the cells are still taken from animals in a way that doesn't harm animals. Right, like scratched off or whatever? Yes, it is just a small like skin biopsy. Like It's super tiny. And the cells in lab are currently fed a serum that's extracted from animals. And apparently, I'm like spoiling the whole story, but <laughs> apparently that's still very expensive to extract and it still mm. involves the animals to a certain extent. So I think they're working. Uh, this is still a really new innovation. Mm-hmm. I have a feeling we're going to see it evolve like crazy over the next couple decades. But yeah, I would also be really curious. The animals are still involved, but it seems to be a pretty humane process. So mm-hmm. Would a vegan eat this meat? I don't know. And at one point down the line, animals might not even be necessary in the creation, correct? So if we're taking the cells, but we already have cells that were taken from animals like time and time again, would we even need the animals to recreate that same like cell structure? That's a good question. It's like a sourdough starter. You just keep it going. Exactly. But it's a ball of animal cells. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds so icky when we talk about it. (laughs) Icky, but is it just because it's new and we're not used to that? Definitely. You know, like Mm -hmm. it's also icky to think about real traditional meat production, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Probably ickier. Definitely ickier. Yeah. I got most of this information from an episode of This Matters by the Toronto Star, and it's called What's for Dinner, Lab-Grown Meat and the Ethics of Food Science. And it's a conversation between Adrian Chung and Matt Simon. And then I also included another article by the BBC called Singapore Approves Lab-Grown Chicken Meat. So lab-grown meat or cultured meat is very different from a meat alternative like Beyond Meat or the Impossible Burger, right? So it is actually meat, Mm -hmm. but it's been cultured and grown in a lab. But that does mean that besides scraping a few cells, like we said, it's entirely cruelty-free with no animals harmed or slaughtered in the manufacturing process. Which I like. Yes, that is great, especially given the the impact that we know animal agriculture has on the environment in terms of land use, deforestation, emissions. It, there's a huge impact that could be reduced or completely eliminated. Who knows? I do wonder what the impact of this lab-grown meat will be, like if there's something mm-hmm. that we're not seeing yet. That's a great question, and I actually bring mm-hmm. it up later, but they don't know what mm-hmm. the environmental impact of lab-grown meat will be. It hasn't been quantified. And especially like right now, it's really small scale productions. But as they grow and take advantage of economies of scale, this could also be a huge, there could be a huge environmental impact. We don't know. Mm -hmm. So lots to learn, but I think it's really exciting at least. Okay. So a couple of muscle cells are taken from the field. They're brought into a lab and they're put in this sort of ideal environment that's created in a Petri dish. And they're given that ideal growth solution 
uh, that I talked about earlier that's mm-hmm. extracted from animals at this point in time. And so they're able to proliferate and form a larger mass of muscle cells. At this point in time, it is not well-structured meat. So it would be more like ground meat, ground sausage, ground chicken, but definitely not like a chicken wing or a steak. (laughs) Like there's no marbling. There's no bones, tendons, cartilage. I don't even think there's different textures. Like it's a homogenous (laughs) mass of meat. It's just like a meat mash. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sorry. This is fun. (laughs) The only approved sale is for chicken in the nugget form. (laughs) (laughs) which is frankly probably the form that i would want to try it in anyways definitely and there are also people trying to do this with fish currently but it's not perfected yet but these are kind of things you can think of on the horizon i know so (laughs) she's making a face (laughs) (laughs) so when you think about fish like think of a salmon like beautiful flaky there's structure and i just don't see how that structure could be replicated or if like do the cells arrange themselves in that pattern because that's like their genetic disposition Mm -hmm. or is it again just like a homogenous slab of salmon which makes me think of like pureed food that you would feed a dysphagia patient yeah in those molds yeah i'll bet i'll bet that they start out with fish sticks i would bet that as well (laughs) yes that's a fair assumption so another benefit is that lab-grown meat has the potential to be much safer because the risk for cross-contamination from livestock production is reduced. And mm-hmm. so you'd probably see a reduction in foodborne illness. So that's a that's a huge consideration. Yeah. Okay. Another thing that we have to think about when we basically invent a whole new category of <laughs> food is what's happened here. But it's currently called lab-grown meat, which isn't exactly appetizing. Mm -hmm. Um, So there will likely be a rebranding, but the question now is what do you call it? So it needs to be standardized and it has to be clearly distinguished from both traditional meat and meat alternatives. Right. Yeah. So like people need, like people with allergies need to be able to go and see, you know, this is this one, this is this one, this is this one. Plus people need to be able to make their own choice. There are probably a lot of people that will still prefer to eat traditional meat or a meat alternative. I think people might even still choose the meat alternative over the lab-grown meat just because, like you and I, it makes us feel a little weird. (laughs) It's a little off-putting now, but ask me again in five years, maybe my whole perception will have changed. Absolutely. I used to hate olives. Now I love olives. Good for you. Thank you. Olives are the best. (laughs) But like, like you can, I don't know. If I tried it and it tasted delicious, I think I'd be right on board. Yeah. And yeah, like it wasn't too. gross to eat it. Mm-hmm. And you know what I miss? And I think I've I've mentioned this to you before, but we don't really eat animals with hooves anymore. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. a weird personal preference. But I really miss like a good pate on crackers. Oh my gosh. I'm sure you and could I replicate feel, a pate. I was going to say, I feel like that'd be very simple to recreate. Uh, totally. <laughs> pate is so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I just want to like how you can't legally call a plant based beverage a milk. Mm -hmm. What would be the alternative name for this meat? Because it is technically meat, technically, but it's not traditional meat. I don't know any ideas coming to mind. I was thinking earlier when you said, what should we call it? But nothing innovative is coming to mind as of yet. Yeah, I think I prefer cultured meat to lab grown meat. Yeah. So maybe that's a direction they could take. It sounds a little more refined. And Me like, 2.0. 2.0. Yeah. 
meat 2.0, or even if they just took the ethical meat, humane meat, or environmentally, if it is shown to be more environmentally friendly, which my gut instinct is that it probably will be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, they could take they could take one of those roots and maybe label it something to do with its characteristics. Yeah. Um, I've never actually looked on, well, I probably looked on the packaging, but never really stood out to me before. But what is plant-based? Is plant-based meat just called plant-based meat alternative? Can they use the word meat on the packaging? They don't use the word meat on the packaging. Other than Beyond Meat, obviously. Um, let's look up Veggie Ground Round. Like, yeah, the Beyond Meat has literally meat right in the title. Mm-hmm. It's too bad Beyond Meat is already taken because that would have been the perfect name for this. It really would have. <laughs> yeah, plant-based patties. So Beyond Meat, Beyond Burger, plant-based patties. Okay. Or there's the Beyond Beef, plant-based ground. Okay. So they're not calling themselves meat. No, but they do say Beyond Meat and Beyond Beef. But I think they probably get around that because it's like their name. And also they're distinguishing themselves away from meat, right? So it's like Beyond, beyond. Milk. Like it's like not the same thing. It's beyond that. Do you know if you if like Beyond Milk, I don't know if that would fly. I don't know if it would either because there are legal definitions for yeah. milk. It needs to have like an actual percentage of dairy, dairy or mm -hmm. dairy fat in it. Yeah. So like I said, the impacts of the environment are anticipated to be significantly less, but this hasn't actually been quantified and we don't know the impact on the climate or what that will be. So we don't know how much the emissions are within the processes involved right now. And it will, of course, if it's successful, be scaled up over time. So while the assumption is that it is better for the environment, and I personally can't imagine it being worse than animal agriculture because mm -hmm. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It needs to be quantified. So we can't say definitively yet. Right. Some other major considerations. And it's pretty wild. There are so many things to consider when you introduce a product like this. Like something that could potentially replace. Hi, Rosie. <laughs> <laughs> she's saying hello. <laughs> she likes so, this idea. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'm down. Stop eating animals. <laughs> so... You have to think about the fact that traditional meat production is a major industry. Mm -hmm. So rearing livestock is a way of life for many people around the world, and um, it's a major employer. So th there would be tons of people if this was to take over traditional meat production, there would be a, a ton of people that would lose their livelihoods. Mm -hmm. So... The theory that was discussed, or the theory, the prediction that was discussed in the podcast episode was that it will likely be a two-tier system. So they'll probably exist side by side, and it will actually just give people more choice mm -hmm. within their, their meat choices, uh, which I think is a positive thing. And I could see people still choosing to consume meat that was harvested in the traditional way. Of course. I, I mean, at least until it is more of a robust product. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think we'll see some early adopters, but I think it will take a while for it to become the most popular form of meat consumption. For sure. If that ever happens. Definitely. And I think I'll be a laggard in this area. I might wait to see what happens and then... I would try it today if I was presented with it. For sure. And just see how... But if it's only sold in nugget form, like I'm not going to just start eating nuggets all the time. Okay, how about we make a vow right now that as soon as it's introduced in Canada, we will try, try it on it. this podcast. Yeah, I love that. Okay. Yes, let's definitely do that. <laughs> oh my God, I can't wait to eat nuggets on the podcast. 
We'll mute the chewing. We'll mute the chewing. <laughs> All right. That's it for lab-grown meat. Um, any final thoughts? Do you think it'll take over? Yeah, I think you touched on exactly how I feel. I think that they will kind of work in, in unison both the traditional meat and lab-grown meat. Um, one thing did kind of come to mind when we were talking about the environmental impacts, and mm-hmm. I don't know how much knowledge you have on this, but um, in terms of almond milk, I have mm-hmm. heard that, that it, it does take a lot of water to produce almond milk, and there mm-hmm. are some questions around whether or not it is better than traditional milk in terms of the amount of effort and resources it takes to create. I don't know if you have yep. any more info on that. I don't have any more info on that, but I know I've also heard the same thing. So often mm-hmm. like plant milks, while they aren't um, using dairy milk, they might not actually be better for the environment. So there's so many considerations when it comes to food products and their impact on the environment. And they're also hard. It's challenging to quantify their impact on the environment. Like, mm-hmm. is it impacting water systems? Is it creating a lot of like methane emissions from cow production. Mm-hmm. Like that's a huge consideration, but it's also land use and runoff into the river systems. And oh my gosh, what else? Like deforestation. There's so many different aspects and so many different ways to quantify it that I'll leave it to the experts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But who knows? Like there, I think something that at face value, like almond milk, oh great, it's replacing dairy. It must be better. You know, there's more to the story. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll find out the true impacts of lab-grown meat over the next couple years. So keep watching. Like, this is an area I will definitely keep my eye on. Definitely. And we'll report back if there's any new findings. Especially if there's any scandal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye, Becca. Bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to Extra Cheese. If you have any topic ideas for future episodes, shoot us an email at dietheticsafterdark at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram at dietheticsafterdark. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe. This podcast is a labor of love and your support will help other true crime and food lovers find our podcast. Dietetics After Dark every second Monday and Extra Cheese every second Thursday. This episode was edited and mixed by Earworm Radio. If you're in need of podcast support, you can find them on Instagram at EW Radio or online at earwormradio.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.